1: Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of an unindicted co-conspirator to explain logical fallacies.
2: I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the argument from popularity, also known as argumentum ad populum, appeal to the masses, and the bandwagon fallacy. So the argument from popularity
1: basically says that if lots of people believe something, then it must be true. It's fairly easy to debunk because <laughs> there are so many examples of things that lots of people believe that aren't true. One that gets trotted out all the time is that supposedly everyone used to believe that the Earth was flat and it didn't make it any more true. Right. It's not a particularly good example because yep. as far as we know, there's no time... Uh, the, in, in history where a large number of people who knew what they were talking about believed the Earth was flat. People have known <laughs> the Earth was round for a very long time and, in fact, done experiments right. to show what the circumference is and things like that, even back to kind of Greek times. So that's a bad example. But yeah. Yeah. Um, this is, ironically, a very, very popular fallacy. Um, it is, <laughs> it's very common. Um, people it is Because it kind of feels intuitive. It kind of feels like with the for example, Who Wants to be a Millionaire, if you if you ask the audience mm-hmm. what they think is the right. answer to the question, you expect that the wisdom yep. of crowds might hold and lots of people all together will probably get the right answer. So it feels like there's some sense to it. But um mm-hmm. it's not reliable. You can't assume that just because lots of people right. think something it's true. So yeah, to to check out a Trump example for the argument from popularity, we actually turn to um, a very unusual ally for logical fallacies, which is Bill O'Reilly.
0: Is there any validity to the criticism of you... That you say things you can't back up factually, and as the president, if you say, for example, that there are three million illegal aliens who voted, uh, and then you don't have the data to back it up, some people are going to say that's irresponsible for a president to say that. Is there any validity well, to? Many that? people have come out and said I'm right. You know. I that. know, but you got to have data you, to back it up. Let me just up. tell you. So you think gonna you're going to be proven correct in that statement? Well, I think I already have. A lot of people have come out and said that I am Yeah, correct. but the data has to show that 3 million illegals look, voted. Forget that.
2: Forget all of that. I love that when he says, just forget that. Yeah. Forget yeah. that. Forget all of that. When, when Bill O'Reilly is
1: questioning your logic, <laughs> <laughs> you really, it's time to take a long, hard look at yourself. <laughs> this is the yeah. man who yeah. claimed that, because we can't, we there's no way we can possibly understand the tides. God must must exist.
2: That's anyway, right? Just because we on. can't <laughs> understand it. Okay, yeah. God bless him. He consistently pers- persisted with. Well, hang on a minute. I um, you've got to have the data to back that up.
1: Yeah. So even Bill understands that you have to have data to back up a claim like that. Trump is saying that, in fact, when, when he says, do you think you'll be shown to be correct, He Trump says he's already been shown to be correct because a lot of people have said he's right. Yeah, so that, right. That is not <laughs> proof. <laughs> um, no. That all no. that is is that there are other people who agree with him. It it's probably isn't even true that a lot of people have said he's right, but even if it was it's just lots of people's opinion instead of one person's opinion and that doesn't make it more likely to be true and with something like this there is a an objective truth there is something that you can check you can do actual research and find out the number and the people who who've done the research and looked into it have said there's no evidence of 3 million illegal voters but this is the kind of stuff where you need
2: somebody to go and look at it yeah, rather absolutely. than
1: just but the say key those to numbers Trump's argument there is not that they've looked into it or that they're yeah. going to look into it even, just that um lots of people have said it's true. Therefore he's been proven right when he said it.
2: Yeah. And it, it would be it would be less objectionable, less fallacious, even if the it would, well, it would still be would it still be a fallacy, even if the people that he says, well many people have said that I'm right, and then he goes on to say, and those many people are the people who investigate electoral fraud they yeah. are electoral fraud investigators many electoral fraud investigators have told me that i'm right would that add any more validity yeah that would absolutely add more validity because um it's then you're basing the
1: truth claim of the argument not necessarily on the quantity of them but on their expertise and if they have relevant expertise then it is reasonable to to listen to what they have to say and in that case if there are multiple people in a field who all do the same kind of work the fact that there are many of them who believe the same thing is further evidence that that thing is probably true it's not necessarily true um but um like with the global warming debate for example 97% of climate scientists believe that global mm. warming is happening and it's human mm. made um and that is good evidence that it's happening and it's anthropogenic. It's evidence because these people are people who, who for their job, are looking into this, are researching it, and they're basing their claim that it's true not just on the fact that they're a climate scientist, but on the work they're doing, on the research that they're looking at and the data they're processing every day. So the fact that having done that work they have come to this conclusion doesn't mean you should just trust them blindly. But the fact that there's a scientific consensus on that and on other things, on you know, when like evolution, for example, or other things where scientists all working in a field who are experts with various levels of, of specific research in that area are are coming to the same conclusion independently, usually of each other, that's good evidence that that is probably close to true or on you know our best guess for now of how things actually work it can also uh work the other way you can claim that if lots of people don't believe in something it must be false
2: ah right yes 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 so there's an,
1: we've got another example from trump using that way around of doing it this is at a a town hall meeting uh in rochester new hampshire where he was asked about climate change and about uh, whether he believed in it and what he was going to do about it, basically. And this is what he said.
0: Who who believes in global warming? Raise your hand. Wow. Not much, huh? Do you have your hand up? Little? No? No. Nobody? One person? Well, sir, that, that's... Well, it's a very interesting... You believe, right? You believe?
1: We'll get in a moment to how he actually did that. But mm-hmm. his argument was... Because none of the people in this room full of Trump supporters believe in global warming. It's not true. So we don't need to do anything right. about it. He didn't state that. He didn't to be fair to him, he didn't say there's there's nothing to be done because it's clearly not real. But that seems to be the implication of why he would ask yeah. the room whether whether people actually believe in it. Obviously the person who asked the question yeah, believes yeah. in it. Yeah. The one interesting thing about it is the the camera in this clip is quite tight on Trump. There's about fifteen or twenty people behind him two of them have their hands up yeah and this town hall yeah probably he
2: they don't he's there's, there's probably a
1: couple of thousand people, people in there yeah. uh, i don't believe the yeah. only two people with their hands up were behind him <laughs> on camera yeah
2: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, um, yeah so when yeah. he's kind of going nobody really nobody i just he's ignoring yeah. all the hands
2: that are up frankly one of the, one of the guys behind him is yeah. quite enthusiastically going me i do i do <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somebody is interrupting him in front of him, saying, "Yeah, but sir." No, that was that- the
1: person who asked the original question.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Ah, yeah. So they is mm, the implication that they don't feel he answered the question. I <laughs> think that would be fair <laughs> because, to assume. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's kind of not answered it. He's put it out. He's done what he did in the in the uh, other interview. He's he's put the answer out to the people. Instead of saying, uh, OK, here's here's my answer based on the consideration of the evidence that's been put in front of me by 97% of all climate change specialists, and, you know, I'm not persuaded by it, and this is the reason why he doesn't actually do any of that. He just says, anybody here believe in it? He almost implies that their opinion is of more... Uh, It's based in more knowledge. It's based from more real-life experience and therefore uh, should be listened to, and that's the message he's taking to Capitol Hill. He's saying, you know, you
1: need to listen to the people. He dismisses the science, which is very well established at this Mm. point, um, just by saying, well, you know, these people right in front of me don't believe in it. So,
2: yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and and thereby distracting their attention from the fact that he's doing it because there are lots of vested interests who want to continue to mine coal Absolutely. and burn stuff and not pay carbon taxes uh, or look into uh, renewable energies and all those kind of things, which are perhaps more traditionally a Democrat kind of, I think, I think position that's right. to hold. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Right. Uh, that, so you know, it, it would lose him votes if he did that. If he said, "Yeah, yeah, we need to."
1: Well, it would lose him support from some of his corporate mm. donors. I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for. Mm. Mm. So the last example that I want to talk about from Trump yep. is a tweet from 2014, uh, which is my favourite um, of his mm-hmm. arguments from popularity, in which he said. Many people have said I'm the world's greatest writer of 140 character sentences. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally don't believe that many people have said that.
2: <laughs> no, no.
1: But even if they had, it it certainly wouldn't make it true. I, I think no, no. It's p- probable that there are people who can write better sentences than Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, yes, regardless of it's the character probably... count.
2: <laughs> exactly, but it's very interesting that oh, I mean, does he does he believe that? Does he, I don't. I, it, I I'd,
1: I'd like to think so, but I, I think I expect he was joking. Um, it's possible. I mean, you know, I could I wouldn't put it past him that he believes it, but it it yeah, sounds a
2: bit yeah. like a joke. Well, it it just occurs to me that he surrounds himself with yes men and women who are not going to disagree with him for fear of losing their job and for fear of losing their, therefore, their position of power and, you know, they work in the White House. Why wouldn't you want to keep your job?
1: You can totally imagine him calling his people into his office and saying, what do you think? Do you think I'm the greatest writer of 140 character sentences in the
2: world? And them going, yes, Mr Trump. Who (laughs) doesn't think I'm... Who doesn't think I'm the greatest? Yeah. And, the, the, and everyone's looking around and nobody's raised their hand. And they kind of go, right, yeah. yeah. Well, it reminds me of that. Many people think press, so. Did he ever, yeah, did he ever, was it a press conference or something? He invited the press in to what was a cabinet meeting to all intents and purposes. And everyone spent the first 10 minutes um, heaping yeah. enormous oh, praise God, on how marvelous it was.
1: It was, yeah, people, they just kind of went round the table with people going, uh, Mr. President, mm. I'm, I'm so proud to be here with you and I'm so grateful to you for giving me this opportunity. Yeah. And, oh, God, it was just... Blessed. It was amazing. Blessed I'm blessed yeah.
2: to be part of this. And you think, wow, that, yeah, so if there's a room full of those kind of people, yeah, of course, I mean, and there were many of them it was, in the room. It was quite many, North Korean. many is many? <laughs> It, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. If that was dubbed into Korean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you'd be surprised. Not at all. Yeah. And, but, yeah, you know, how many is many? That's the other question. You know, is it is it more than a few or, or less than well, a few? Well, I said it and Melania said it. So that's many. It must, yeah. That's many. And she said it many times. <laughs>
3: And now is the time, I think, for Marx-British politics. Corner.
2: So uh, I've got some examples that kind of may be stretching that, uh, the the ad populum fallacy, but I would maintain they're coming from a position whereby, not dissimilar to Trump, the, the various British politicians uh, attribute a position to the people um, in order to pursue their own ends in order to, uh, to to justify things that they're saying. So the first example I'd like to play is this. So it's an interview with Michael Gove, who was the then Justice Secretary when he was interviewed in uh, 2016, and he's being interviewed on Sky News. Um, he's being
3: interviewed by Faisal Islam, the leaders of the US, India, China, Australia, every single one of our allies, the Bank of England, the IFS, the IMF, the CBI, five former NATO Secretary Generals, the Chief Exec of the NHS, and most of the leaders of the trade unions in Britain all say that you. Boris and Nigel are wrong. Why should the public trust you over them? I'm not asking the public to trust me. I'm asking the public to trust themselves.
2: So what's interesting about this uh, one is, so Faisal is listing off all the people who are... So uh, uh, he says that Boris, Nigel and you, Michael Gove... So Boris is Boris Johnson, who we've met before... Um, Nigel was Nigel Farage, who we have talked about before. He was the leader of the UK Independence Party, whose entire raison d'etre was to get out of Europe and become independent of Europe. (laughs) Which made it very Um, amusing in the uh, elections
1: after Brexit was announced, where the UK Independence Party lost all their seats because they had no purpose anymore at all. (laughs)
2: There's <laughs> no purpose anymore. Yeah. So the Tory just, Tories just scooped them up and and adopted all their policies. So what is interesting? I've just realised and listening to it again is that what Faisal is doing is using the argument uh, for uh, to, to popularity he, because uh, yeah, he he's, is.
1: He's definitely there's there's an element of that in it. I think mm. if he was if he had an opportunity to explain why those people. Should be trusted because some of them are specifically uh, experts. Because there's the like um, heads of banks, for example, which who who you might know perhaps more than the average person about what the implications of Brexit might be. And so, if they're saying that Boris and Nigel and Michael Gove are wrong, you maybe should listen more to what they would have to say than the head of the NHS, which I don't know why that would be relevant. But yeah. I think you're right, he is, he's listing a, a large number of people and hoping, I think, that the, the large number that he's listed gives weight to the argument yeah. and saying that, look, so many yeah, people yeah. think you're wrong, you must be wrong.
2: Yeah, but I don't think it's a, it's just the, the number, because I think that, as I'll go on to um, argue, is that it, it's not just the the weight of the number, but it's the kind of... People, so it's a bit like the our thought that if um, you know several uh, electoral fraud investigators, or many to use Trump's word, uh, electoral fraud investigators had told him that he was right, then that would increase the weight of the argument. So what Faisal Islam is doing is saying there are all these people who have some knowledge in the impact that. Uh, leaving the EU would have on businesses, on uh, workers' rights, possibly on the National Health Service, who knows? So what he's doing is not just saying there are lots of people. He's saying there are lots of the right people, lots of people who know about this stuff that are saying that your position is wrong. Um, What Michael Gove goes on to say is... That because Faisal says, so why should they trust you? And he said, Well, I'm not asking. He neatly sidesteps. And what he does is literally call in the populace. He, he says, I don't, I'm not asking them to trust me. I'm asking the people to trust themselves. So I would say that he is literally appealing to the masses, he is um, using an argumentum ad populum by saying to the people, you need to listen to yourselves and not me. I, as we've discussed
1: off the air, am not completely convinced Mm -hmm. that this is an argument um, from popularity because he is not saying, um, don't trust me, trust the other 52% of the population that that agree with me (laughs) Um, and there's such a lot of people. In in saying, you know, you should trust yourself, each individual person... Is is basically he's saying, um, you know, use your instinct really rather than yeah. um, believe yeah. the the large number okay. of people. Frankly, because the large number of people who were who were making statements at that time in public were against yeah. Brexit, all of the all of yeah. the um, heads of industry and and celebrities, even for the most part, who were coming out and saying anything, the, it did seem like the tide was against them, didn't it? So mm. Mm. it's yeah. difficult at this stage for Gove to be saying um, go with the what most people think because it seemed like most people yeah, yeah. didn't think it yeah. was a good idea.
3: Yeah,
2: OK. So. Um, well, let's play this, the second clip.
3: The people who are arguing that we should get out... Are concerned to ensure that the working people of this country at last get a fair deal. I think the people in this country have had enough of experts with uh, organizations had enough of from experts. acronyms. From organizations with acronyms saying that they know what is best and getting it consistently wrong. This country because have had these people enough of experts. These people are the same ones who've got consistently wrong. This is proper What's Trump politics, isn't it? No, it's actually it's a faith in it's the box Trump. Well, so, this is the famous
2: speech which kind of came back to bite him when he uh, said, I think the people have had enough of experts. So, see what I'm, I would argue that this is a, an argumentum ad populum because he is again invoking the people. Instead of saying, I have had enough of experts, he's saying, I think the people have Had enough of experts, so he's putting the populace, the population of the UK, between him and his opinion in order to give weight to his position for his own ends and to hide the fact that he's got his own personal agenda, which is to leave the EU, where it was actually to become the next prime minister, but uh, which he failed to do as well. Um, So I would say that this is a similar thing to what Trump has done when he asks for the audience to raise their hands. Um, He's kind of saying, he's scooping up their um, responses and saying, yeah, you see, we need to listen to you. Don't listen to me. I'm just a politician. What do I know? Um, I am one of you. I am a member of the people and... People are, and those in charge of uh, these opinions about why we shouldn't leave the EU are not listening to you, the people. So I am representing your voice. I am saying I think the people have had enough of experts. So I think he is literally using the populace to bring weight to his argument, I think you're
1: right. I think this is a this is much closer. If anything, possibly, is right. an argument from popularity because I think what he's saying, in a way, is um, the people generally have had enough of experts. And he's kind of what he's not saying is, don't you agree? Haven't you too had enough of experts? Because mm. all of the other mm. people think that it's they've listened enough to this kind of stupid pop politician phrase of of from organizations with acronyms like that yeah, is some yeah. kind of cohesive group um yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've heard enough from the cbi and the nhs don't you agree basically he's kind of trying to trying to push people to go the same way as the rest of the people so yeah
2: yeah and instead of reaching for the evidence he's just saying well i think just people are fed up with the experts yeah and and he doesn't say I'm fed up with the experts because that would reveal that he doesn't have the evidence. And so and he's Faisal doing Islam a what is, is incredulous to... when he
1: says that? Yeah, it is yeah. a fundamentally stupid thing to say. What Gove is basically saying is, oh, we've heard enough from people who know what they're talking about.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Because isn't that the definition of an yeah. expert? That we don't want to listen to who people who knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Who've looked into. Who really this. good at what they do. What we want yeah.
1: is just to yeah. go with people's gut feeling about whether yeah. we want brown people in our country.
2: <laughs> That's yes, what it's that. really yeah, all yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, it's a very skillful thing that he's done, which is to spot the populist moment and turn the the conversation and twist the rhetoric to his own ends
1: i'm not sure he convinced anyone though with his argument it was it was quick thinking but oh no I think everyone no, listening that's right was like what are you talking about that's stupid
2: yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah well you say that well let's play the the third clip so this is about i think he's invoking the populace again um To justify some numbers that he he hasn't got,
3: I'm pointing out that um, the majority of people in this country are suffering as a result of our membership of the European Union. Their wages are lower. Yes, the majority of people. Their wages are lower. 33 million people. Access to public services is restricted. What's your factual basis for that claim that 33 million people are suffering from EU membership? Well, we can complain about the other side's figures. What's your factual basis to say the majority of people in this country are suffering from EU membership? Well. I, myself, it, I know myself from my own background. So there,
2: there we go. So actually I think I was wrong in saying that he convinced anybody because <laughs> I think Faisal is doing the convincing yeah. because he's doing exactly what uh, Trump was asked to do, which is come up with the factual stuff. So he comes up with this uh, broad generalisation, which is I think the majority of the people in this country, you know, the majority of people are with me, um, and I stand for the majority of people. And that's and actually think, where it gets
1: no, quite don't. dangerous because you were asking earlier on mm. how many is many. Mm. And when you just use a weasel word like many, it's easy go. to say that cause, yeah. because you can say, you know, even in a country of 300 million people, you can say, well, you know, a thousand people think the same way as I do. Mm. That's many people. That's a lot mm. of people. Mm. Um, yeah. If you say the majority, that's putting a number on it. That is saying mm. more than half, 51% of the people in this country, or at least that yep. number, think this. And then you need to pick yep. it up. At that point, someone yep. can say, like Faisal says, here, 33 million people, what's your evidence for that?
2: And what actually happens is that uh, later on in the interview, and and we, we couldn't bear to play the whole thing because it's just awful, but it is online, go look, go look up that Tired of Experts, just type that into uh, YouTube and it will come up. He does go on to switch the the conversation with the interviewer and says, you see, you're on the side of the elitists and I'm on the side of the people. And that gets a round of applause. And so he is, throughout this thing, he's appealing to the people. (laughs) Okay. I'm, I'm enjoying these things, they're good. Yeah, step <laughs> one of Steppenwolf's uh, outtakes yeah. from the <laughs> Ryder soundtrack. There, so yeah, uh,
1: in the fantasy in the wild, we like to talk about the fantasy of the week from a uh, non political perspective, usually. Um, and actually, there's a little bit of politics mixed in with this, but it's, it's uh, older stuff and pop culture related as well. So, um, the first thing is actually a, a print ad. Uh, for mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton as president when she was ah. running against Obama in 2012. And and it's very simple. All is is a picture of Hillary and uh, the line says, would you vote for, for Clinton as president? 57% say yes. So the whole right. point of that ad is to say, mm-hmm. look how many people would vote for Clinton. You might as well vote for her too, because... Yeah they must be you know there's so many people 57% more than half of people would say yes they would vote for her so yeah, you know, yeah. they yeah. they they can't all be wrong basically is is the implication there this is a a really common uh, fallacy that's used in advertising and this is basically just an advert although it's a political advert that's what it is it's saying look how many people do this it is just like um McDonald's saying how many billions of burgers they've sold they're mm-hmm. not just boasting for the sake of it. They're saying, "All these people like McDonald's. Therefore, you'll probably
2: like McDonald's. So you should probably come in and have they, a burger." Yeah, I'm sure there must have been adverts in the fifties that say, "You know, a million Marlboro light smokers can't be wrong." There was a specific one for Camel, which was really which was about
1: doctors. This Camel was the most yeah. smoked brand among doctors. Um,
2: wow. And yeah. so,
1: yeah, that was basically what they were saying. Like nine out of ten yeah, doctors yeah. smoke Camel, so um, that's bizarre. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's how they do.
2: Yeah, feel. yeah. Um, wow. Oh, that's that. It reminds me that I saw a billboard uh, poster on the London Underground uh, this week for Dan Brown's um, new book, and it set, So it's just come out, and it says, "Global number one bestseller." Yeah. Absolutely. Think, yeah. Every. Well, you always intrigued. Yeah.
1: That has bestseller on it is and, and yeah. the, the whole the, the kind of charts of of the bestsellers in the the uh, USA today and the New York Times and and the Times in London, they are, they're they are showing you what books are popular at the moment because popular things yeah. probably are good. <laughs> That's the thinking behind. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Because.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't that why people try you know kill to try and get their book on Oprah's reading of list?
1: Yeah and it's yeah. and it's also yeah. why things like Netflix and Amazon Prime Video um you can filter the what you're looking for when you're browsing through things by yeah. um you know the year it came out and stuff like that but mostly by popularity yeah. by um by yeah, which yeah, videos are trending yeah. which films pe- lots of yeah, people are watching yeah. at the moment because if lots of people are watching ah. it maybe it's good yeah but yeah. so yeah. this is really really common and um, I mean there's another example a Maybelline print advert um, which has a, a, a big headline saying "America's favorite mascara"? No wonder one is sold every one point seven seconds. Wow! Well, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, they're not just boasting; yeah. they're suggesting that yeah. because they sell so many.
2: It's the favorite one. It's the best choice for you. Favorite one. You'll probably yeah, like yeah. it too. So, the argumentum ad populum is how we've got to things trending on Twitter. Absolutely. Yeah, and and the the idea.
1: That those things are the most important things.
2: Yes, yes, um, that's
1: the implication. Is yeah. yeah. So if you say that, that you know this yeah. this um, person's joke trended, so it's the funniest joke at the moment on Twitter. There may be much yeah. funnier jokes that just haven't been noticed by people. Um, and yeah, yeah. If, so it, that's where it becomes a fallacy is when you're making a claim, or in some cases, if you're if we want to be. Less cautious about it if you're implying a claim mm. like the Maybelline mm. thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're if you're making a, cl- a truth claim based on the number of people who who believe something or have uh, have said that they enjoy something, or just in terms of like you say with bestsellers, you know the number of people yeah. who have bought yeah. a thing, suggesting that that implies quality. And since this is episode double o seven, um, yes, we have to say that if. The uh, argument from popularity was true, then uh, it would be true that Thunderball is a better Bond film than Goldfinger, which is clearly nonsense, <laughs> because because Thunderball made more money, uh, even right. when you factor in inflation, than Goldfinger. Um, but but right. obviously, it's a significantly inferior film. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, quite. You know, by all objective measures, absolutely. It's a there's there's really no one who could
1: possibly argue with that. So no, yeah, no. Everyone knows it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Quite, yeah, quite. (laughs) So uh, another example that is now we're kind of getting it away from advertising a little bit is uh, our our new friend Bill O'Reilly. Yay! (laughs) So uh, let's play a clip where um, Bill is talking. Actually, he's. On his show, The O'Reilly Factor on Fox, he is playing a clip uh, of Rachel Maddow, uh, who is on MSNBC, and uh, she's talking about Fox in the clip, so it's a little bit kind of inception-y.
4: So this is what Fox News does. This is how they are different from other news organizations. Just like the fake Acorn controversy, Fox News knows that it has a role in this dance. It's not new. It's not actually even interesting about this scandal. Fox does what
0: Fox does
1: which is kick your networks butt every single night madam. Bill O'Reilly they're saying that what Fox does is kick MSNBC's butt every single night in the ratings. Mm-hmm. So he's suggesting that yeah. you shouldn't listen to Rachel Maddow. She's talking nonsense because we have more viewers than them. That's what he's yeah. saying. Yeah. Uh, now as we know, Bill understands the argument from popularity. He he realizes that it's well, yeah. a fallacy. Um but he's still yeah. he's still doing this
2: quite effectively challenged the president of the US yeah, on absolutely. that very
1: subject um and as rachel maddow pointed out after this happened um there are there are lots of programs that that do better than uh, msnbc there are lots of programs that do better than fox yeah um but right. that doesn't mean they are more accurate or better or inherently higher quality necessarily. It just means that more people right. watch them. Didn't you say that one of them was SpongeBob? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so SpongeBob kicks... Bill O'Reilly's butt, yeah.
2: Every night yeah,
1: on the ratings. <laughs> right. So okay. you should be careful how you use that. Now, at this point in the show, we would normally have fake news, but we've changed the schedule a little bit this week. In a slight change, we have a section which, uh, this week at least, we are calling Singing is Not a Logical Fallacy.
2: Because we're very pleased to be able to bring you an interview we did with the music duo Kaplan and Messiah. That's Paul Kaplan and Zetia Messiah. They were long-established musicians. Paul was in the band Hazy Fantasy in the 80s, and Zetia had a number one dance hit in the US. And together they have a new song out called All You, which is about Trump. And like us, they're British and are profoundly concerned and affected by the way the global political temperature has been changing since Trump. We took the opportunity to talk to them about that and how it is being in the arts in the world today. Oh, and Mark also got them to play fake news uh, so that he
1: could be a host and possibly not lose.
4: My name is Zetia.
2: And my name is Paul. Welcome to Fallacious Trump. And we're very happy to be here. (laughs) Thank you very much. We're very happy to have real artists on the show. (laughs) I guess we are kind of doing similar things to draw attention to the inflated orange man baby. And we do it through analysing the logical failings in his arguments, statements, pronouncements endless tweets and i would maintain that you've done it through your song so what motivated you to write a protest song
5: songwriting is a funny thing it's not a very conscious process it's a kind of instinctive process and you just wait for something to come to mind or to come out that seems to be interesting or seems to have some power to it and you don't Mm -hmm. really get to pick that much what you write about you write about Mm. what jumps to the front of your mind yeah most of the songs that i've written in the uh, last few years since tisha and i have been together we've been married for the last two and a half years and most of the songs that i've written during that time have been about love because that's mostly what i've been feeling quite um, right too i'm yeah. glad
2: i'm glad to hear
5: that but just towards the end of last year, I was feeling disgusted and revolted by what was going on in the States, not just mm. Donald J. Trump, but also the way the Republican Party was behaving en masse mm-hmm. in a very, very self-serving, selfish, short-sighted way. And that song just popped out, really. It just, it just, it just sprung to mind and yeah. it wrote, it wrote itself.
2: There's always been a history in art to react to major political events. The Futurists and the First World War, Giacometti and the Holocaust, yes. and even more recently, uh, Red Wedge and Rock Against Racism. Yeah,
5: and the whole so, punk movement, I suppose, yeah, in the 70s. Uh, yeah, yeah. The same category.
2: So, with your position in the music world, do you think you're seeing a change reflecting the times that we're in?
5: I'm not seeing much of a one, actually, and I wish there was more. I, if you think back to mm. the early 1970s, there were a lot of protest songs. In fact, it was a major musical genre of its own. Mm. That was what pop music was in those days, or what a big part of it was. It certainly isn't what it is now. There are protest songs being written, but most of them are not in the pop mainstream at all. Most pop music is highly commercial. It's mostly about sex, and which is fine. Yeah. Nothing wrong with being commercial or writing about sex. But it's a shame that commentary on what's going on uh, doesn't seem to Figure at all at the
2: moment. Yeah, I recently saw the Skids and uh, oh, yeah. um, and <laughs> okay. Billy Bragg, and both of them said that they they were writing songs then because they performed you know a lot of their back catalogue. Yep. They were writing songs then, hoping to bring about change. Yes, and they were still angry that the change hadn't happened and that they're still having to write songs now uh, about the same issues. So do you think that it's possible to bring down the government one song at a time?
5: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think a song has ever brought down a government, but I do think that songs and music in general, like all the arts, have a surprisingly large role to play in influencing public discourse, mm. where would communism be without the red flag? You know, we, the, yeah. people need people need songs to sing. No one song has ever changed the world, but a lot of songs can change the way people think.
2: And the media and the message is very powerful. And governments yeah. know that.
5: And and the first thing that virtually every dictator does on coming to power is start banning songs and movies and books. And, and they don't do it because they've got nothing better to do. They do it because they know how influential they can be. Mm. And the whole fake news thing that's going on at the moment and the big protest recently by the news media in the States, led by the Boston Globe, kind of highlights that. People who think that way, let's say liberals, are alarmed that Trump is acting exactly like a dictator in, in yeah. demonising the press. Used
4: to think you were funny.
5: Ross Hall a Ross Hall,
4: you know. you, all you, all you, all you oh, Bit
2: in the song is the rasshole bit. <laughs> so that whole—that's <laughs> how shallow I am. That's no, my favourite not bit. It's at all. My favourite bit too. Especially with the with the and the voodoo character yes. in the background at one point. Paul is smashing TVs with a sledgehammer. Did you do so because there's symbols of
4: power? Um, the rasshole bit. I don't know if you know that, but that's a Bajan sort of swear word, if you like. It's like saying "asshole" in a sense, but it's just because it's Bajan and we wanted to emphasise the rasshole because we were like really angry. So that was our part to say, you know, this is how we feel. But the smashing of the TV came because we wanted to emphasise how angry we both were. Oh, Exasperated.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just just, tired of tired of Trump continuing to be the most talked-about man in the world. He doesn't deserve it. You know? But then we make a video of it.
4: I used to laugh at all the things you did The way you bragged about your money Just like a little kid
2: the glorification of money yeah. is often the content of rap songs. Yes. Do you think this song then is a product of that? Mm, or the, kind of the other way around. I think I mm-hmm.
5: think a lot of a lot of gangster rap was about money mm-hmm. and how nice it was to have money and how you could spend it all on hose, you know, and and <laughs> yeah. that. and and. and yeah. we, we, but that's kind of in the past now. Bit There's, there isn't much gangster rap being made nowadays, and most of the rap that is being made is pretty sort of emotional and sensitive. If you listen to, mm. to Drake, you, you, you know, it sounds like he's going to burst into tears at any minute. He's missing about his more delicate feelings. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, so what we we were writing a song that really isn't, doesn't have much in common lyrically with most of what's in the charts, but we decided to arrange and record it in a pop style. So it's in that idiom.
4: Try not to see you with your silly hair and silly voice. Try so hard not to hear. <laughs> These days, I got no choice. I'm sick of all your. He's
2: basically a TV star and he loves it. Yeah. He's after ratings. You know, yeah, there was a yeah. time when there would be TV stars and then there would be politicians and politics is you know, it was always described as showbiz for ugly people yeah. and now we've got the crossover.
5: But, totally. Yeah, well, he's the world's greatest reality TV star, isn't he? And although he's clearly a bit dim in many ways and <laughs> doesn't speak English very well and doesn't know anything much about history or geography or politics or most of what goes on in the world, Mm. He he does have clearly a genius for demagoguery and manipulating social media. He's terribly good at it.
2: Do you think that you too being in the media and being media savvy, that you're in the right milieu to get to him more than anything else?
5: Certainly, we intend single-handedly to depose him and we expect his resignation <laughs> at on, any yeah, moment. I don't, yeah. I don't know why it's taken so long, <laughs> but, it's yeah. but it can only be a matter of days now.
4: <laughs> From the bling bling to the West Wing It's a reality show Where did reality go? It's all lies now It's no surprise
2: now Forgive me for saying so, Paul, but you lived through... Eras. Yeah, you're you're old enough. To,
5: you're as old as me. <laughs> yeah. you, you live through these eras. Was it ever thus? I, I, th- I think it's it's wrong to characterise the world as being dominated by right wing opinion. I think mm-hmm. that the thing that's scary and alarming about the way, certainly the Western world, is at the moment, is this, is this huge schism. The fact that it's split, as never before in my recollection, between mm-hmm. what the Americans would call liberals and conservatives, mm-hmm. who not only hate each other but really, really don't understand each other. They observe. The same world, and they come to completely different conclusions about it. Yeah, and then they don't discuss it, they just. Because of the echo chamber, yeah, because because the internet has enabled each one only to hear reinforcing opinions. Instead of reading the Washington Post and the BBC News, I should read Breitbart and watch Fox, because then I get a more balanced view. Mm. I haven't managed to bring myself (laughs) to do it yet, but, you know, we we all live inside our our little echo chambers, don't we, and listen to the opinions we we like to hear.
2: Are you just singing into the same echo chamber?
5: Well, we're not, because there have been an awful lot of plays of the video on, on YouTube and a huge response on Facebook and maybe 60 or 70% of it is strongly supportive mm. and 30 or 40% of it is venomous and mm. filled with hate. And, and I guess what you can take heart from is that, you know, it's, getting
2: ac- it's going across the divide mm. because yeah. you know, you're, yeah. you're not just getting um, people saying, yeah, it's lovely, um, you're getting people that are going, no, we hate it. As an artist, you're transcending those two silos. Yeah, well, the
5: good thing about music and and, and music video is you do get to cross that divide because there aren't sort of liberal musical radio stations and conservative Mm. radio stations. You know, so so far music is at right angles to all of that, so you do get to talk to everyone.
0: John Wayne is
2: big Big leggy. Similarly, a protest (laughs) song.
5: Oh, let's eat your answer, oh, I, think. I, I, no, I think. I think you bet. <laughs> yes, it, it was. It was a protest about American imperialism. And in fact, it wasn't until all you was out there and people were listening to it that it dawned on me that all these years later, I, I was still complaining about the same thing. You know, mm. I, hadn't, I really hadn't thought about it till then. Although if you listen to, to the lyrics, John Wayne's "Big Leg" he isn't really about movie stars. It's not really about John Wayne. It's an allegory, mm. and John Wayne is, is, is represents a particular mm. American point of view, which we're reaping the, yeah.
2: the rewards yes. of. I hesitate to the use the wins. word yeah.
5: reward. Yeah. The world wind," yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, we, we are, you yeah, because mm. there's a large number of people, particularly in America, there's probably 100 million people whose standard of living has been declining now for 15 or 20 years steadily, and who feel ignored and unheard. And the Democrats have tended to just try to pacify them and hope they would shut up, despite ostensibly being their party, they haven't really done anything for them. And Trump sees mm. that opportunity, as people are all over the world.
2: So I think it's amazing and wonderful that you managed to distill those thoughts into this really fantastic song. <laughs> well
5: it's kind of you to happy you think we have. Let's hope other people do too.
0: So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news folks. I love the game, it's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody.
2: Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where normally Jim reads out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one he made up, and this week our special guests, Paul and Zetia, have to figure out which one is fake news. This time, being the quiz master, at least I'll get a respite for my long losing streak. So, uh, OK, you ready, you two? So these are all from Trump's press conference with Theresa May when he visited Britain. So, uh, quote number one is about Boris Johnson. I think he thinks I'm doing a great job. I am doing a great job. That I can tell you, just in case you haven't noticed. But Boris Johnson, I think, will be a great prime minister. I think it's true. OK. Quote number two. Don't be so hasty. <laughs> <laughs> Quote number two is about Theresa May. They asked me why we held hands. What can I say? I'm a gentleman. She appreciated that. We got on great. An incredible woman, beautiful woman inside and out. I have great respect for her. And all women. OK. Or is it, or is it number three, which is about Putin? If I had a relationship with Putin, I don't know him. I met him twice. Maybe three times, two and a half times. Okay. So, do you think it's one, two, or three? Which is the one that Jim made up? I.
4: Think
2: so you're fairly you're fairly certain about number one, aren't you? I think it's
4: Zeta? the second one that he made up.
5: Okay, I agree with z t Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I I I think I've heard the first one, the third one. The third one's particularly funny because at different times over a period of twelve months, he has said. I know Putin really well, he's my buddy, we've been on TV together. Yeah, yeah. And he's also said, I've never met the man, I don't even know who he is. You know, (laughs) so... But, yeah, I agree with Ziti. I think number two... It would be great (laughs) if he said that, but I don't think he did. Okay.
2: so you think number one is true then, yes? We think it is. Yes. Okay. well, let me just tell you that it is true. (laughs) And here is...
0: I think he thinks I'm doing a great job. I am doing a great job, that I can tell you, just in case you haven't noticed. But Boris Johnson, I think, would be a great
2: prime minister.
5: <laughs> nothing like diplomacy, is there? <laughs> nothing, li- and that's nothing like diplomacy. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, and you think number three is true? Okay, are you sure? Do you ever, don't want to re- phone a friend? Okay, <laughs> the number three. Is true. If I had a relationship with Putin,
0: I don't know him. I met him twice, maybe three times, two and a half times. How could
5: you meet somebody? Two, how could you meet someone you half can. the time. But because yeah, because yeah. the whole thing is imaginary anyway. So Yeah, we, yeah. I have met him pie times. <laughs> That's right. He's probably just <laughs> averaging out, yeah,
2: over yeah. the having met him many times and not met him at all. He's just averaging out. Exactly. So you are right.
5: Yay! Yay. But he <laughs>
2: didn't say that about Theresa May. And yeah. That,
5: yeah, and that proves we really do understand him, so you should take the song seriously. because we know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But thank you very much indeed for your
2: time and for your song. It's, it's been, been a great
5: pleasure. It's been a great pleasure.
2: Thank you. It's been a delight talking to you.
5: Thank
1: you. You too. So, Mark, strictly speaking, even though you were the host, you still managed to lose fake news.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. I know. But it was really, it was like I did get a nice insight into what you do. Yeah. Because I uh, adapted the one that you wrote about Theresa May and added a few more yeah. uh, little Trumpism. I think that's what lost the I, I think, Do yeah, you? Yeah. Well, you see, ah, but I'm, yeah. See, I've done the. I've realised with that piece of practical research, which actually brought gales of laughter, as you've heard, yes. um, with that little bit of practice, I realised that if I, if there are, I think I've said this before, if there are more sentences <laughs> or more little bits of sentences, the less likely it's to be really Trump. But then, of course, you always find an example where he does that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoodwinked. Yet again. Well I so, d I don't, I don't yeah. think
1: I can yeah. technically take that as a win. So okay. so it's not seven nil. But maybe it's right. Maybe it's six. That's one nil.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, one for our guests. Should we yeah. have any other guests? We can see whether they win. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. And, in a fun twist, every single one of these stories happened on Tuesday, August 21st. Michael Cohen pled
1: guilty to eight counts, including tax and bank fraud and campaign finance violations, quote, in coordination with and at the direction of a candidate for federal office for the principal purpose of influencing the election. Gee, I wonder what candidate
2: he was talking about. I have no idea. Having told Chuck Todd last week that truth isn't truth, Rudy Giuliani turned his gaslight up to 11, telling Reuters there is no allegation of any wrongdoing against the president in the government's charges against Mr Cohen. Also saying, I think the president is absolutely in the clear that Cohen thing is over. He was later heard to say... Adam Sandler is the best actor of all time, and Big Macs are health food.
1: Within minutes of the Cohen plea, Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, was found guilty of eight counts of tax and bank fraud, which is not completely shocking, since part of his defence was, and this is an actual quote, nobody intending to violate the law would leave the evidence around for his accountant to find it. I think that's called the basic instinct defence.
2: (laughs) You're (laughs) right. And although Cohen's plea deal didn't include cooperating with prosecutors, his lawyer, Lanny Davis, said Mr Cohen has knowledge on certain subjects that should be of interest to the special counsel and is more than happy to tell the special counsel all he knows well, that's some kind of non cooperation. According to the UN's nuclear watchdog, there is no
1: indication that North Korea has halted or dismantled any nuclear activity since Kim Jong un met with Trump and specifically didn't agree to do that. I am oh, shocked no.
2: that this didn't go how Trump no. planned. Shocked. Oh, no. It's. Oh. A Trump advisor has been linked to white supremacist Peter Brimelow. Nope. Not the speechwriter who was fired earlier this month for his links to the noted racist. This time we're talking about Larry Kudlow, who invited Brimelow to his birthday party. Apparently he didn't want to, but his mum made him invite everyone in his class so that nobody felt left out.
1: One of Trump's earliest supporters in Congress has been indicted on federal charges. No, not Chris Collins, who was charged with insider trading earlier this month. This time, we're talking about California Congressman Duncan Hunter, who, along with his wife Margaret, stands accused of using a quarter of a million dollars of campaign funds for personal expenses. Hunter must have been taking lessons from Ben Carson, because in an interview with Fox News on Thursday, Hunter blamed the whole thing on his wife. That's such a bad idea. (laughs) I mean, you're only going to be in jail for a, probably a few years, but you've got to, exactly. you've got to be
2: married to forever. Be married to oh, that yeah.
1: person, but oh, that's such a bad idea. Yeah.
2: yeah, I don't think she probably will continue to be married <laughs> be. after that. Oh my word! Yeah, a new rule from the EPA called the Affordable Clean Energy Rule could cause up to 1,400 premature deaths per year due to relaxed emission standards. That's according to the EPA's own impact analysis. The rule replaces stricter Obama-era guidelines, which the EPA said would have prevented up to 3,600 annual premature deaths. So the government knows their policies will kill you, but they're fine with that. Because, fuck you, that's why...
1: (laughs) So before we wrap up tonight, I just want to say a couple of thank yous because this has been quite a a weird and successful week for our podcast, or a few weeks, uh, because as many of you new listeners know, we got mentioned on Scathing Atheist. Uh, If you haven't ever listened to the Scathing Atheist podcast, please do. It's amazing. And uh, I just want to say thank you to the Puzzle in a Thunderdome guys on Scathing Atheist. They're they're great and really appreciate the mention. Thanks, guys. So thank you also to all of the new listeners that have come along. I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you subscribe.
2: Yeah, and giving us nice reviews. Yeah, thanks they for the have. iTunes they reviews. have enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. That's brilliant. Do some more. Thank you very much. Yeah. So that's all of the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. If you hear Trump say something stupid and wonder if it's a fallacy, email us on fallacioustrump at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at fallacioustrump.
2: If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And this show is based on Jim's book of the same name. It's available as a tree-friendly download from Amazon, superbly written, snort your coffee through your nose funny and immensely derogatory towards El Trumpo blimpo whilst being rigorously logical. It's the book equivalent of Spock with clown shoes.
1: <laughs> you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump just like our very first patron, Cal Alera. Yay! Yay! Welcome aboard, Cal. Welcome. Uh, Welcome, Thank you so much for your support. You know, Mark, we might, in the course of this show, have up to three patrons, maybe, but you never forget your first one. If you'd like to join, Cal, head over to patreon.com slash ftrump and you too can get a shout-out on the show as well as early access to extended episodes, exclusive bonus content and other cool
2: stuff. All music is by The Outburst and Captain the Messiah and we used with permission. You can see and hear Captain the Messiah at www.captainmessiah.com and on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, etc. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald.
0: That's right, go home to mommy. Bye.
4: so funny I used to laugh at all the things you did the way you bragged about your money just like a little kid remember when you lost it all and all you stole and all the lies you told used to think you were funny Ross Hole, is a Ross Hall you know you all you all you all you care about is my name Hey. These days I got no choice. I'm sick of all your noise. Huff, puff, puff right, bluff, baby man. Liar cheater, let your user. Ross Hall, you a Ross Hall, you know. You all, you all. Make it cause the whole thing's broke From the bling bling To the west wing It's a reality show Where did reality go? It's all lies now It's no surprise now I feel like dying